everybody, welcome to another episode of Low Code Approach. I am Sean Feeney. And I'm Wendy Haddad. And I am the person who never says yes to anything, Dr. No, also known as Ken Aguilar. It's amazing. They actually give you a doctorate for just saying no. I didn't know that was the case, but that's that amazing. True. So we are following up on a prior episode where we are collecting a whole bunch of topics, questions, statements that we've overheard in our journey, working with customers, chatting with our peers, and just our experiences in low code in general. And so what we'll do is we're going to ask some questions to each other or pass along some statements or misconceptions and collect each other's thoughts and get a better insight on how we feel about certain topics. And so we're going to kick off with Ken asking the first question again this time. Let me present you with this enigma. I am brand new to citizen development. And one of the things that I heard is that citizen development introduces risk into my organization. How would you respond to that? That is actually a real thing that I've heard. I mean, look, anytime you introduce any new software into an organization, there's going to be a level of concern for any organization. However, I will back that up by saying our platform has the tool set and the features and the governance features and the foundation of Azure that it is built upon to provide you the guardrails to deploy and implement low code and empower citizen developers to be successful, but not to endanger your organization. And then, you know, obviously there's deployment plans, adoption strategy that we can go through to actually take a look at actually how to deploy this correctly. So yes, that is a valid concern. Yes, we have the tools and the technologies to help avoid those concerns. Wendy, you do this a lot more than I do. I would love your take. Yeah. So I think that they're right, but I think that it's the wrong question because I think that a lot of times, because we think of the power platform as, oh, it's an app or a chatbot or a workflow, there is an undue amount of concern of on, around citizen development or just because maybe we've had a little more marketing around citizen development with the power platform. But I don't know that necessarily it's any more risk than having a SharePoint site and not putting some of the guardrails in place around that, or even just in terms of some of the shadow IT that I've seen with people using personal or corporate credit cards and setting up personal Gmail accounts and doing work outside your organization. And so where I think that a lot of the, the things with IT, they're so focused on some of the risk, but they're not necessarily focused on why is there risk. And I'm getting the signal from Ken. I just wanted to add one additional point to you for, for what you just said, Wendy. And there's a slide that I, you know, like that I use in certain times when I'm talking to customers and it's about just the evolution of low code. And you kind of touched on it quickly when you started talking about things. So if you think about what the world runs on, the world runs on Microsoft, but the world also runs on Excel. And I think one of the original low code platforms was Excel. And one of the beautiful things, like sort of if I marry what you and Sean just said, is that yes, there might be some potential introduction of risk, but there are tools that are there to govern and mitigate those things. And that Power Platform allows you to actually see those things, provides you the visibility, gives you a way of actually knowing what's being done, right? Whereas 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I may not know what Wendy and Sean are doing as they try to take over the world with their Excel files, right? Like I may not know that. And uh, sorry, I interrupted you earlier, but I thought you know I just wanted to tie those two things together. No, you you just told my point, Ken. That's all. <laughs> that's that's where I was leading to. But but yeah, what I've seen is that a lot of times businesses are working around some of this because there is friction and there's always the balance before CISO has, right? Between protecting the organization and allowing them to have the ability to get their job done and innovate, which generates revenue for the company. And so where, instead of blocking it and saying there's a hard no, where we're looking at it is this new era of IT enabling with guardrails. And so I, I often will joke in my presentations, bringing the shadow IT to the light a little bit. And so you, you know that it's happening. You have full visibility, you have guardrails and tenant isolation and da data protection policies in place to make sure that there's no data leakage. But you also have the ability to enable certain use cases to be addressed by the business themselves, rather than IT being the blocker, because let's face it, there's not enough developers right out there. And there's such a hard competition for that. And so I, I do think that, yes, there's a risk, but there's more risk, I think, I would argue, with shadow IT. And I think that the mindset shift of enabling citizen development in a responsible way and preparing for that actually addresses that risk and is the better trade-off and reward for your organization. Yeah, I'd say when done right, Power Platform is the shadow IT killer, is how I would yeah. describe it. I think when you implement some of the tools that we have for increased visibility, and you provide admins with that knowledge and that oversight, yeah, for sure, 100%. So maybe that leads into another question. I'm going to jump in and ask Stealing this. the sandbox from Wendy <laughs> each time, my goodness. Well, she's a little slow on the draw today, so I'm just going to oh. ask my my, my, my my question. Ken's just fired up. It's the weekend. <laughs> it is the weekend. Go for it, Ken. What's your question? Why won't Microsoft be more prescriptive? That's what I hear. Like Customers are asking, since always saying this, just tell me what to do. Tell me to set things up. Tell me how I should be doing this. Tell me, tell me, tell me. That's all I want to know. I take the sandbox, I hand it back to Wendy, and I walk back slowly. I know <laughs> Wendy has opinions on this. So fuck. I'm not yes. getting in your way. So I think that that is an active conversation within Microsoft all the time is finding the right balance. And I know I asked that same question as a customer. It's finding the right balance because I think where it's interesting when I came to Microsoft, I don't know that I appreciated the challenge that we have of the variety and diversity of organizations that we work with. And it's so hard to see that from the outside. But when we get inside, it's just how do you do the one size fits all recommendation in our public docs? And so we are t discussing ways for us. And, and Ken, I know you're actively plugged into some of that work. Right, and maybe can share some of that as well. But we are constantly taking feedback and evolving, whether that's feedback in our forums, feedback in our, our sessions. One thing I will say in, in terms of my specific role currently at Microsoft is being on the field as a cloud solution architect. I know I introduced myself previously, but certain scale of customers have the ability to bring in technical experts. They can bring in partners, again, reach out to the community, and we will actually help make proactive 
recommendations and work and tailor your approach for your specific organization. So there's some things that we do in more of a consultative manner. There's ways that we're exploring how to be more prescriptive. And I want to let Ken speak to that a little bit as well. But I think also it's a little bit of that balancing act between what fits every organization. Wendy, everything you said was great and had some really good points inside of there. You're right. I am absolutely plugged in as a program manager, meaning that I am directly on the product group. I'm privy to a lot of information and interact with some absolutely marvelous people. One of them being Manuela. Manuela and and team, they are phenomenal. And they are, you know, very attuned to the pulse, the conversations of the customer. Admittedly, I would say that many times we cannot develop our code fast enough. There are certain standards and processes and things that we have to go through to react to customer demand. However, the beauty of low code is that to coin a phrase, we can eat our own dog food. So Manuela and team, they listen to the customer and they build out rapid tool sets and adjustments using our own APIs, but using low code itself to, to deliver these solutions out to the customers. And then from there, we'll look at you know, many times the goodness of the COE and say, okay, well, we have signals from the customers that tell us they want things like, I'll just use a generic example. I just want to preface this by saying this is not a thing, but I'm just making something up. Okay. So in the COE, there's a provisioning tool today whereby you can say, oh, okay, wait, great. I want to provision a, an environment with this name and so on. And Bob's your uncle, COE will, will do that for you with an approval process and everything. Maybe we look at that and say, oh, great. We see that many folks are using this particular app within the COE, and we should look at this and productize this, pull this in the product, because we know that folks are really going to take advantage of it and use it, right? It's a very symbiotic relationship between the customer's rapid code development and also the product group itself. Like some folks would like to say that low code is hard. Like it's hard work. It's hard to do. Others make it look very, very easy. I mean, Sean, what would you say to folks that say that, you know, low code is hard? Uh, I would say, you know what? Low code, just like any new or any application you have to learn can be intimidating at first, right? Like you're presented with a blank canvas and you're expected to go and, you know, produce something either low effort, personal productivity, or some, you know, big thing that where you're boiling the ocean as far as, you know, team effort, uh, bringing people together. But when you're learning a new thing like low code and, and implementing that in your organization, in my opinion, it's always best to go with a personal productivity approach first and understand the tool set in which you're working with. Like, you know, your problem better than others and the best way to approach solving that. And also how you can apply automation and modernization using these low-code tools to make it become a reality and provide the best experience that you know you would want to use and so that's how i would look at approaching the low code is hard aspect to it and to be honest microsoft has tons of learning content available for you and exercises and learning paths and certifications that you can go and take to learn more but there's always going to be a challenge that you deal with on maybe a daily, weekly, or monthly basis 
that maybe automation or modernizing it in some way will make your work life a little bit easier. And then you can go and take the tools, low code tools available and see how you can make that better for yourself. And I know many, many people who have championed the product just based off that experience. Like I learned that I can do X with this. I have to share that information. It is too valuable in my mind not to share with everybody else in my organization. I'm going to go run up to the tallest mountain I can find and scream at the top of my lungs that this is the greatest thing I've ever seen because you are so excited that you were able to solve that stuff. I've been there before. It is an awesome moment. And you just want to build a whole following with you to bring that that same excitement amongst your organization. And you can share, you know, your experiences and, you know, build your own internal community in your organization for it and really just have a group of champions to lower the bar of entry for others that are going to be learning the product too. So, Sean, that was so many great points inside of there that you just said, right? And let me do the best to kind of give a summary and tie a lot of these things together from the two topics that we just kind of talked about. And I know, Wendy, you're going to have tons to add on what I'm about to say. So one... We talked about being prescriptive and why won't Microsoft say, hey, go do these things. Sean, you touched on, touched on the great learning opportunities that we have, the documentation and things like that, right? But also the community and the champions that we have that are putting out actual prescriptive guidance and directions and things along in, in the community. I think that there may not necessarily be a one size fits all for all of these things. And it's maybe looking at the documentation, looking at the community, looking at, I mean, shoot, Sean, we've got people that have gone out and over a weekend have learned Power Platform from watching videos from Shane Young. Shout out to Shane. Hello um, from doing this, right? And these folks are now, you know, leaders in the biz app space. So before I get too high on my soapbox, I'll pass it off to Wendy. I know you have additional comments. Oh, I definitely think pulling on what Shane and others have done. I know April has done a lot of um, videos. I know that there's just the community and so many people contributing, uh, whether they're people within Microsoft, partners, the community. I'm going to take this a different direction just for a moment because I have been playing around and hear me out on this. I'm not making a recommendation. So full disclaimer here. I have been playing around with AI looking and iterating because I think that sometimes it's not necessarily that you don't know or the information's not always in the docs, but it's trying to understand how to map what's in the docs and that we've prescribed to your specific business case. And so one of the good things, I'm not saying have Copilot go build your, you know, or Bing chat, go build your entire governance strategy. Hear me, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that I think that there's sometimes there's a little bit of a mental block in the space because it's new. And one of the powers of Copilot and being Chad and some of the other chat GPT, some of the other tools is the ability to iterate on ideas and to be able to kind of define and mock things out and to have to generate ideas, right, as well. And so kind of just start if you're kind of facing that blank wall point it to the knowledge articles and be able to kind of go back and forth and hear things out. And then obviously stress test yourself, do some testing with your engineering to be able to do that as well. But I think that sometimes people and admins face the blank page and it can feel daunting. 
And so being able to take those examples and start mapping them back and forth and plugging that in can allow you to start iterating and refining your business case there. I'm going to throw a wild card question out there and I would love Ken and your thoughts on this. You mentioned a blank page, right? And that's really like the maker approach and in, in building apps and building out flows and things like that. What about when an admin first comes to PPAC and there's a bazillion knobs and switches you need to turn to get things going right? Is there same is is there that same level of intimidation when you jump into the Power Platform Admin Center? Not every organization is able to have someone fully dedicated as an admin to the Power Platform. Many times it morphs. There may or may not be an, an identified admin. I was a customer. I worked with customers who were in that space. And it's somebody who worked oftentimes on SharePoint, right, who, who become the de facto admin. And because there is such a high integration with our tools and collaboration. And so I think that your admins may not always be people who have that development background, and yet they need to come up with a governance strategy for an entire development platform, if you will. And so I think that's where, again, I know we keep emphasizing the community, the knowledge articles. I think the conference is an amazing way for you to be able to plug in and have a conversation, a workshop. Workshops are great. I know we've got the admin in a day workshop that goes on tour. There's various ways to get that. There's YouTube um, recordings of some of that. There's the conference as well. But I, I really think that the blank page syndrome is real and probably many of our listeners are feeling that that might even be why they're coming to the podcast right and so i i think that you know it can be overwhelming i know we're working on some things to improve that experience i'd love to hear ken your thoughts there as well but i think that start thinking about outside in like before i control data within my company let's make sure data's not leaking outside it's the same kind of approach you do with sharepoint Start putting those guardrails in place. We've got tenant isolation. We've got other things. And looking at the Power Platform knowledge articles, iterating there can help. And then start mapping out your business needs. You understand your business. And so that can influence your environment strategy, your data policy strategy as well. And again, I don't want to go off too long. I know we're running short on time. Ken, do you want to speak at all to the things that you're working on around this, this problem? Wendy, I mean, you sound as if, You've actually done this for a little while. Lightly right? packing it. Yes. <laughs> There's my soapbox. <laughs> Just once or twice. What I will say is we are always listening and that we are customer obsessed. So much like when we were asked to bring application lifecycle management to the platform and we started doing that first within the COE, within the ALM Accelerator Kit, and then that eventually started evolving into pipelines within managed environments. We are absolutely listening to you asking for more prescriptive guidance and governance and a number of other things. While I can't specifically talk about many of the things that we're working on within the product group, I will happily say we have some hidden nuggets within the last relief wave video that folks have already started picking up on. And I've seen a few LinkedIn posts about it saying, oh, wait, hold on a second. What was that? So there is a lot of goodness to come. Sean, back to your direct question about 
admins first entering PPAC, Power Platform Admin Center. What admins may notice is that Power Platform Admin Center is rapidly evolving and that now there's links to documentations telling you how to get started, what you should do next, and so on. Continue to look for further enhancements and please keep that feedback coming because customers, partners, and everyone make the, the feedback that we receive, they make the, the product better. Is it fair to say, tying this back to the earlier question, is the product itself becoming more prescriptive, Ken? That, I believe, is a separate podcast. <laughs> Ken says, I want to go on vacation. This is my answer. Yeah, that is it. Plus, I think we're short on time right now as well. Right? So no, that's true. Hey, listen, everybody, thank you for listening to these collection of episodes. Uh, you know, if there are things that you like to get some insight on questions or concerns, like reach out when you see anything come up for a low code approach. Love to get your thoughts, love to know what you'd like to hear us talk about. And we will definitely make sure we cover that type of information. Or if there's anything you would like us to further elaborate on in this kind of rapid fire series of questions and thoughts that we were expressing to each other on this show, I want to say, please get that before us and we happy to talk about it. Ken, Wendy, you are both always amazing, and uh, I am really looking forward to the next podcast episode that we get to put out. So thank you for joining. This is fun. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Wendy. See you all next time. Yeah. I'm on vacation now. Bye. Bye. Right, get some coffee. We got to go. All right. Goodbye. Bye.